Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Hey, you remember when you woke up this morning and you looked outside and it was raining? And then you walked outside and it wasn't all that cold. It was like mid-50s. Like, just kind of... You know, a little bit cooler than room temperature, but not bad. Well, here, if you, uh, let's just say you got up at six, you fast forward nine hours, it's still raining, but now it's cold, too. Holy cow, the front that's moving through. I, I, I don't know what it's like in South Mississippi. I don't even know what it's like in Jackson today. Borky, you can help me out. Is, has it gotten cold in Jackson? Yeah, it's perpetually gotten colder it started this morning it was like in the 60s and not that bad and then the rain came and now you don't want to be outside right now yeah it's gross outside in north mississippi hey good afternoon everybody welcome to sports talk mississippi online at supertalk.fm brought to you every day by mississippi land bank online mslandbank.com mississippi land bank where they know the lay of the land if you've got land financing needs of any kind and you're in North Mississippi, well, let the folks at Mississippi Land Bank help because that's what they do. They finance land. They don't just finance land. They finance the stuff that goes with land. Like what good's a piece of land if you don't have a shop on it, place to park your four-wheeler or your tractor or just put your stuff, somewhere to leave your chainsaw locked up at night? Well, you, you can get the money that you need to build a shop or a cabin or a dream house, whatever it is. Mississippi Land Bank can help. You can find branch locations on their website. They're scattered all across North Mississippi. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. You just heard Michael Borky's voice. No Farm Bureau phone line today for uh, for these guys, although we've got some big stuff coming for you on the Farm Bureau phone line a little bit later. Brian, hey, Dad. Hello. I'm not on. Are you not? I'm not on. It's, uh, I don't know what's happening here in this world. Uh, how about that? Try I, I don't know. Am there I, we hey, go. Hey, technology. I pressed the wrong button. Had an old Miss engineer working on that one. That, there so, you go. Uh, yeah, good to be here. I'm here in uh, in Oxford, Mississippi today, which means one thing: I ate spicy fried chicken, and I'm I'm in a good mood. That's your thing. You keep talking about Gus's, and maybe they'll come on as an advertiser one day. Eventually, it's going to happen. Rippy is living on Red Bull, he is. and he has even added coffee to the rotation. So Rippy bailed out of class about three yesterday. He com- oh, Well, I mean, other than talking to us from Reform, Alabama, or somewhere thereabout. Milford, I think it was. Millport. You were at the Millport exit, you said. Yeah, somewhere was Hold on. Jeez. See, this has been this in is here pressing ha- buttons. This is Have what mercy. happens when you guys don't come to Jackson where I can do all of that. Yeah. That's what happens. It's also what happens when somebody else uses the studio Probably and presses so, a bunch of yeah, buttons. But, you know. bunch of button pressers. Um, so you went to Tuscaloosa last night. What time did you get home? 2.45. Ooh. And class this morning? 8 with a meeting at 7.30 beforehand. Boy, that was poor planning on your part. 
It was, but it was mandatory, so I don't know how much planning went into it. Well, you know, it's a good thing that you were there last night for uh, the Ole Miss-Alabama basketball game. <laughs> Rippy's had enough Red Bull. I did. Bull. I, I showed up. Rippy has had enough Red Bull. I can actually see his heart beating through his sweatshirt. Those are wings. It's not actually a heartbeat. Those are the wings that it gives you. Yeah, I went to coffee this morning. I was telling Richard I thought it might be a safety hazard to crack open another one. So I went Ed to Orgeron coffee. says, let it rip. Says, let it go, man. Take all you want. Yeah, you're you're so far under the Red Bull Ogeron threshold. I mean, it's like not even a blip on the radar. I'm just waiting on the ogre accent. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, you want to be part of the show? You can text us, 601-879-4395. Ask for JoJo when you get there. That's pretty good. 601-879-4395, the C Spire text line. C Spire, customer inspired. Get a free Hummer. That's that's pretty good. Thank you. That's pretty strong. I don't do many acts that's strong. well. Uh, people sometimes say it's not quite gravelly enough, but um, I I can have, only have wonder, years of hard living to get at, to that point. At some point, and it's not because I was looking specifically for something that Ed Ogeron had put on Twitter, but at some point I clicked on a link and clicked on a link, and then I hit like hit, and it's like you are not allowed to follow or you are blocked from following Ed Ogeron, and I thought what. Yeah. What have I ever done to Ed Ozron? And then I thought, maybe somehow he got word that got I wind. did imitations of him on the radio. One day we did the entire college fo- – I said we. I did the entire college football fix. As Ed Ozron. In the Ed Ozron voice, yeah. That, that's good stuff. College football fix brought to you this, by Ford. This Look, summer. This is before dealers. This summer we'll mm-hmm. do one. And, Rippy, you got to cultivate an impression between now and then. But I'll do Mullen. And you do Orgeron. my Ed Ogeron's better than your Mullen. It is, but I, I'll do what I can. Okay. And then Rippy, you can can you work out a Houston nut maybe? Well, Richard's got Houston nut and you Steve have Houston Furrier nut? in the arsenal too. Um, I have Houston nut. Yeah. I've heard you do Houston nut before. Maybe mm. it's just Spurrier. Maybe Wait, I was. Which one of the Stinchcomb brothers does SEC Network football? Is it John? Matt. Matt. He does a he does Spurrier. He can do. Uh, Oh, he did. He can do Houston Nut. He can do like four. My, or five my Spurrier's kind of limited to uh, Michael Skarnickia. That's pretty good, though. Yeah, got to get his quarterback Skarnickia. Just call the ball plays and uh, now per- perhaps in a more understandable voice. If you would like to text the show, you can do so on the C Spire text line. The number is 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. Spire, customer inspired. And please don't text and drive, especially. On this yucky not day. Not a good day to be texting and driving. So what about last night? We wrapped it. The, the last thing I said before I said goodnight yesterday, I said to you, well, hopefully tomorrow we'll be talking about a couple of wins, assuming, well, not assuming, hoping that the wins would be for Mississippi State on the road in Lexington against Kentucky and Ole Miss on the road, in Tuscaloosa, against Alabama. Well, if we want to talk about wins, we're going to have to do it from a little bit different angle than maybe we had hoped. Ole Miss goes to T-Town, kind of, and just got drilled. Mississippi State trailed Kentucky by three at the half, right? No. Was it more than? It was a three-point game late in the first half. Yeah, and State cut it to two in the second half, and that's when it got away from them. Uh, yeah, I would say certainly got away from that. So you made a big deal yesterday 
about the starting lineup for Mississippi State. They posted the graphic. They showed who the starters were going to be on Twitter. We're like, whoa, no Lamar Peters in the starting lineup. Turns out that was not intentional. Right. It was a clerical error, I guess we would call it. That basically Ben Hallen said in postgame that uh, an assistant had filled out the lineup card incorrectly and their choices were go with the lineup that was in the card or take a technical foul to start the game. And so they decided to go ahead and start Reggie Perry. And that's how that that's how that came, came. How long before they subbed Lamar Peters? Was he like sitting at the scorer's table? No, no. They, at they, tip off, they, they went a, they went a few possessions. Okay, yeah. Um, so that's not really the way you want to start the game, where you actually jot down a starting five that's not the starting five that you intend to run out on the floor. Yeah, just just another case of a lapse of mental awareness uh, by this basketball team. So I mean, it, well, that's not. I mean, I guess you're using I mean, team collectively. It, it starts from the top down, though. If the coaches aren't aware of what's happening, you can't really expect the players to be too much aware. And I go back to a, a week ago or two weeks ago where Q Weatherspoon told us in postgame that he thought that State was down three against Ole Miss, and that's why he went for three when State was really down two. And, you know, you think, how does that happen with a senior? Well, now you see it's happening with the coaching staff, too. That, that's, that's not good. That's not good for Mississippi State. Late in the show yesterday, you uh, began to get word of the Hall of Fame class for 2019, the ones that the baseball writers vote on. It was historic because you have the first ever unanimous first ballot Hall of Famer, 425 of 425 votes cast in the affirmative for the greatest closer in the history of the game, Mariano Rivera, now pitching for the Yankees, number 42, Mariano Rivera, number 42, or something like that. That's close enough. Uh, yeah, that was uh, less of a good information of the, um, oh, goodness, why can I not remember his name? Anyway, uh, so that and a whole bunch of other guys got into the Hall of Fame as well. Pretty good class this year. Uh, we'll touch briefly on the NBA only because it's semi-local and it is a team that appears to not just be waving the white towel, but getting one of those like uh, Acme style Bugs Bunny compressors, where you press the compressor and blow the whole thing up, are the Grizzlies really going to start over? Our first college baseball guest of the season will join us, Teddy Cahill from Baseball America. We're going to talk with Dane Brugler, who has, um, I guess, been at the Senior Bowl. He's with the Athletic, covering all that leading us up to the draft. There's some guy named Sweat that apparently is still good at football. He's still good. Has not lost a step since uh, January 1st. Yeah. Uh, College football may be tweaking its targeting and overtime rules just a bit. We will see. And another staff member leaving Starkville saying adios. Tell you who, coming up a little bit later this afternoon. A little hoops post-mortem when we come back. We'll start in Lexington with Mississippi State's game against Kentucky last night. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey, Michael Borky making it all happen with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Fairly creative text on the C Spire text line. Richard, you call yourself a Yankees fan. Bob Shepard is the legendary Yankee announcer. Bob Shepard, legendary Yankee announcer. It's well played. Is Bob Shepard the only PA announcer whose people know who they, that is? Don't the Giants have a the uh, Giants female? Had the, they had the first female PA announcer, and I know that she's the first female PA announcer, but what her name is, I could not possibly Seems say. Seems like the Cubs had a female PA announcer for a while as well. 
You been to a Cubs game there lately? You uh, got your, you your Cub your Cubbies T-shirt on. I went about a, about a decade ago. Do you remember if it was a male or a female PA announcer? No, I'm trying to Google it. Um, well, I mean, it was a do you remember question, not how quickly can your fingers dance Googling, across the keyboard. Does Brian Scott Rippey remember? No, I do not remember that. I do remember I went to the game and it was a one nothing game and Carlos Zambrano hit a solo home run, the pitcher. Mm. The game decider. Prior to working for the Reds this past summer, how many like lifetime Major League Baseball games had you been to? Ballpark. Three or four. Oh, really? I went to a couple Braves games, one Cubs game, a Giants game. I'd probably say five, actually. Five. What about you, Hayden? One. Been to one. You've been to one Major one, League Baseball yeah. game ever? Yeah. Where? Uh, in Atlanta at, the, at Old Turner Field. It's all Braves and Dodgers. And what a boring game it was. one nothing. Chipper hit a home run in the first inning, and that was it. Hey. Borky, what about you? Have you been to a bunch of Major League games? I wouldn't say a bunch, but a handful, especially in Atlanta. Um, and then the worst venue, I've said this before on this show, to watch a sporting event is the Oakland Coliseum. Went to an A's-Giants game there. Barry Bonds went 0 for 3. It was the night where he was hit by that big plastic syringe from somebody in the crowd. I don't remember that. No. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. He, it what, was was, what was the reason that you were in Oakland for a baseball game? Uh, my dad, for the longest time, uh, has been in the tire industry for Michelin North America, which is headquartered in my hometown. And oh, yeah? they sponsor a road course race, which, uh, gosh, I forget what it's called. Trans Am, I think, maybe. And there's a, a road course track outside of San Francisco in Sonoma. And NASCAR does two road courses a year. And immediately after the NASCAR race, this series, I think it's called Trans Am, which was sponsored by BF Goodrich, owned by Michelin. Long story short, Michelin went to a, a road course race and got to sit you know, on top of the, the team trucks and stuff. And then we went to a baseball game and did the, the okay. whole San Francisco touristy thing. There you go. A buddy of mine covers the Astros and says the same thing, says that's by far the worst stadium he's ever been to, Oakland Coliseum. Mostly because the A's are there. That's the main problem with that Well, But at that time, I mean, they had Tim Hudson and um, Eric Burns was playing really well and he didn't make the All-Star team that year, even though he should have. This can't be right. I saw that movie and they didn't have any stars. They they, they had Chad Bradford and (laughs) Scott Hatterberg. You you remember that little stretch of time where they had Hudson and Zito and they were both really, really good? Don't don't leave Mark Mulder out of that either. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That that Moneyball team, this is one of those things that drives me crazy. They make it like... It was all these nobodies, right? They had those three guys, plus they had Miguel Tejada, won the MVP that year. He had 47 home runs. Miggy. But it was after they got rid of Jason Giambi and a couple yeah. of those guys, right? It was the right. Guy, yeah. But they still had stars. you know. And the movie never shows you those guys. Yeah. Well, because it doesn't fit the narrative. Well, you're right. I, I guess I've been to a bunch of Major League games, but I've got some really big landmark parts that I've not been to that have got to be checked off the list. You've before, been to Fenway? No, I've not been to Fenway. You've got to go to Fenway in full pinstripe regalia and get it on with those fans. You got to you got to be ready to fight. Well, the next time I wear pinstripe regalia mm-hmm. will be the first time. <laughs> not a Jersey guy. You need to wear a Jeter jersey. I'm not a Jersey. I got guy. a buddy who, who's a lawyer down in Florida. Big, he grew up in the Bronx. Big Yankees fan. He'll, yeah. he'll, he'll go. He'll watch your back. Uh, no, it's not about fighting somebody. I'm just not a Jersey guy. I'm just saying. 
Uh, you to throw hands with with you know Murph and Sully. Yeah, uh, absolutely want to do those two, Wrigley and uh, and Fenway. Yeah. See, I've been to a I've been to a game in Kansas City. Have you been to what is now Oracle Park in San Francisco? Oh, did they just renamed it? They just renamed it, yeah. Uh, yeah, went uh, two years ago right. when Ole Miss played at Cal. Beautiful setting. Awesome. Oh, what a great ballpark. That's a bucket list place, obviously. Um, I've been to Safeco in Seattle once. It was actually pretty cool. Yeah. That's not one I've been to. I have not been to Seattle, period. Uh, that's a, a place I want to check off the list somewhere along the way. So I've been to both St. Louis parks, both Atlanta parks. Uh, Camden Yards is fantastic. Went to a game at the old Metrodome. Oh, nice. Kind of sucks you out when you leave, like the whole vacuum seal thing with the air pressure holding yeah. the. Yeah. Anyway, not that anybody cares about any of that. Let's talk some basketball. Although you might care more about where we've been to uh, baseball games and thinking about where you've been to baseball games than thinking about how last night unfolded for Mississippi State and Ole Miss. So Rupp Arena, twenty-one thousand and change last night. Kentucky pulls away at the end. They outscore Mississippi State 42-29 in the second half, and they win it by 21, 76-55. As far as scores go, only two guys in double figures for Mississippi State. Q Weatherspoon had 19 and five rebounds, and Tyson Carter—excuse me, Tyson Carter had 11 points in the game as well. Um, Reggie Perry had eight and eight. Mm-hmm. State shoots 31% from the field for the game. Yeah. They were 19 of 61. And go ahead with that three-point number there. You know you want to say it. Three of 20. Oh. 15%. That's bad. Hey, they did go 14 of 18 from the free throw line, though. I, that, that's one of those numbers. You know, normally when you play at Rupp, you just expect – it's sort of like playing at Alabama, right, in football. You just expect the, the fouls to go against you. It didn't in this case. The fouls were pretty even. Um but State's three-point shooting was atrocious. Uh, there was an interesting stat last night uh, that uh, I guess it's Carl Ravitch had, and he said that uh, State was 22-2 and two in games where Tyson Carter had gone into double figures. Oh, really? Not, obviously 22-3 and three at, the, sure. at this point, because really Q Weatherspoon was the only one who showed up. If you look at the normal starting lineup, the two Weatherspoon brothers, uh, Holman, Adu, and Peters, you got outside of Q, you got 13 points total. Holman and Adu scored no points on 0 of 2 shooting, all Holman. Adu didn't get a shot off. He'd had three turnovers, though. Uh, Holman fouled out of the game. State's front court gave them nothing, at least the starting front court. Now, the. Result- How does your center not get a shot? Not get a shot off because he turns the ball over every time they pass it to him, basically. Okay. I, I, I sort of keep track of that because Peters. Peters is great about driving the lane and dumping the ball off to Adu in perfect position just to lay it up or dunk it, and every time it goes off his hands. The one time it didn't go off his hands last night, they called a foul on on somebody fouling Peters so that it didn't count. That was the one time he caught the ball. Now, State's freshmen didn't have a great shooting night. They were a combined 3 of 16, but they combined for, what I think, 13 points and 21 rebounds. Woodard had 13 rebounds in the game last night. I got to be honest. The way in Holman, seventeen minutes, yeah, the way Holman and Adu have played the past few weeks, it might be time to make make a switch here and let those two guys get some more minutes because they provide energy. They're playing hard, and Adu and Holman just aren't right now. Yeah, Adu gets twenty five minutes. Holman gets twenty minutes. To your point, a second ago, they combined to go zero of two. Those two field goal attempts were from behind the arc. They combined for five rebounds and no points with three turnovers. That's an insane number from your start. Your starting power forward and center, no points and five rebounds on two shot attempts. 
On the Kentucky side of things, kind of a quiet night from a scoring standpoint for Reed Travis, their big guy inside, five points, but he did have 12 rebounds. 21 points last night from P.J. Washington, 18 from Tyler Hero, including three of three from behind the arc. Kentucky didn't just, like, light it up, but they were really efficient. 44% shooting from the field, 50% from behind the arc, and plus seven on the boards. 15 offensive rebounds for Kentucky. Interestingly enough, also 15 offensive rebounds for Mississippi State. State State had opportunities. Uh, They missed uh, three or four shots in the first half at point-blank range that could have cut, like you said, they were down eight at the end of the first half, but they could have easily been down three or two. Uh, and then you know, it's, it was the same sort of situation that State had a year ago, where they're three of 20, but not all of those shots were bad looks. They missed some wide-open chances, and that's the frustrating part. It, it's Because they had been making those shots for the most part. They're shooting 38% from the from three-point range for the, uh, the season. They'd had a great shooting night against Florida, but these last two games now, they are uh, eight of 39 from back behind the arc, Vanderbilt and Kentucky. And that, that, that's a trend that cannot continue if State wants to be a tournament team. Yeah, and you know, coming up next, Auburn is in Starkville on Saturday. Somebody's and going 2-4. and You want to talk about two desperate teams. Somebody's going to be 2-4 and four at the end of that game. One of the two Both of the, teams in the top 25. Two of the top four teams in the conference preseason predicted. One of them's going to be 2-4 and four on Saturday. That's tough. You know, from desperation for both teams going in, and I started to say, you know, from a Mississippi State standpoint, I mean, considering what lies ahead, you got to figure out a way to defend the home floor. But, yeah. I mean, if Auburn is not going to take its absolute best shot on Saturday, I mean, it's not like it gets any easier for them either. Got to see if Austin Wiley is going to play. That's big. That's 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 a big matchup. Yeah. Um. You think Adu might get a shot off if he doesn't play? Maybe we'll see. We got more coming up with you, for you, with you in the Renaissance Bank Studio when we continue. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippy. We'll take a look at Ole Miss at Alabama last night. Coming up next. The lead of the story is, I guess it's no secret at this juncture that I love sports. I think they're great. They entertain us and bring people together. With that said, there are a number of reasons why I'm now writing about sports instead of participating in them, and the following story is one of the reasons why. It's a story that was written by some guy, Borky, named Brian Scott Rippey. It's really an inspiring story when you think about it. It is. I told Courtney Cronin she missed an opportunity for a nice profile. She's uh, at the Clarion Ledger. I'm going to read two we, more, two more sentences, and then I'm going to allow Brian Scott Rippy to pick up the story on why last night was a reminder of a, a special day in his life. And if you can play the music from the natural behind this, that would be fantastic. Here we go. First off, there are a number of physical limitations that hinder me from being an athlete. I'm a generous 5'6 if I'm wearing the world's longest baseball spikes. <laughs> My last 40-yard dash time was somewhere north of 7, and I'm maybe 145 pounds with rocks stuffed in my pants. Um, and so there was something that happened last night at Coleman Coliseum, Rippy, that brought this special day back to life for you. 
Yeah, so at the end of the game, you know, Ole Miss is getting boat raced. Boat raced, and the Alabama student section starts chanting for Lawson Schaefer, which was a kid. I mean, he's bigger than me, but comparatively similar in stature on the end of the bench, like compared to the rest of the team. And they start chanting his name, and then he gets in the game, and, you know, they go nuts as if they just won a national title. They start urging him to jack up shots. He didn't get the shot. The difference was I delivered for the people he was not able to. Okay, so this was in high school? This was in high school. Senior year? Yes, I played basketball for one year. I was awful. And so... What would happen was is my friends in the student section would get up in the stands and like we were pretty good that year, so like when the athletically gifted kids like would, you know, kick the crap out of some other team, when it was like 30, 40 point range, the chance would start. Rippy, rippy. Pretty much. Rippy, rippy. And so one game it actually worked and I got in. And I had about six minutes of garbage time just to like let it fly. And with about 45 seconds left, I missed a bunch of shots. I turned it over a couple times. But I hit a three in the corner to make it, I think it was like 87 to 40-something. And the entire gym just lost its collective mind. Like, people were throwing (laughs) bottles. And then it was perfect timing because the buzzer sounded about 30 minutes later. I mean, 30 seconds later. And they stormed the court. So, like, I'm getting, like, picked up and stuff. And I was like, this is awful. (laughs) So I, like, ran into the locker room pretty embarrassed. And then I look around and, like, some of the away fans are kind of standing up clapping. This is weird. So I go into the locker room, kind of, like, shower and change clothes. And I come back out. I was going to talk to my parents, like, go home, school night, whatever. And I kind of start hearing people talking behind me. And then I kind of, like, finally get the idea of going, what's going on here? Because, you know, you hear, like, that was good to see. That was pretty cool. Like, I'm normal. I'm just not good at sports. So, like, there was a disconnect. They thought you were disabled. Yes, in some form or another. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. And so I decided to write about it one day. And I probably sat down. Took me about 25 minutes. Didn't think anything of it. Just kind of threw it up. Do you think we could republish this story with permission from its author at supertalk.fm? I mean, I yeah, yes. Yes, I know you're the author. That's why I asked. Make it happen, yeah. Yeah. That's great. Hey, uh, Borky, is this something that you think people might like to read? Especially now. (laughs) If only there was a way. Is there a way to autoplay the natural when you click on the link to read the story? We can do that and Hoosiers, the music from Hoosiers. Yeah, we've got to do basketball. It's got to be yeah. it's got to be Hoosiers. I wish we could go back now and do and do the Hoosiers music, but oh well. 74-53, Bama wins over Ole Miss last night, and Lawson Schaefer plays at the end for Alabama. Also, Avery Johnson Jr., you remember two years ago when he was a starter for Alabama? Didn't play, did he? I mean, might have played at the end. He, he played. Uh, he ended up getting 14 minutes last night. He doesn't play anymore. It's because Alabama has recruited well, and they've they've got players now. Yeah, yeah, they have recruited well, haven't they? Um, just uh, Rippy, I guess maybe start with your impressions from from last night. You saw it in person. What'd you see? What'd you think? It was a weird. I don't want to say weird vibe, but you had the pregame dust-up where both teams oh, kind of... Right. Uh, yeah, so both teams kind of met towards the far side at mid, far side of the floor at midcourt, kind of the classic 
you know, nothing actually happens. You jump up and down, you know, hold me back, bro, um, type of deal. John, and, it, and it started with... I didn't see how it... So I had my head down looking at my computer, and then I look up, and it was already going on. So I, I didn't see how it started. But when I looked up, Terrence Davis and John Petty were at the center of it. Um, but I understand from... John our, Petty's hair was there also. Yes, it was. Fantastic <laughs> hair. Um, But what... You would you texted me last night that you thought because I'd heard that from so a couple the, people. The too. guys on television, um, Damian Fishback and Roy Philpot were doing the game last night. Uh, this was kind of the open to the show when it first came on. They showed the video of it and said it's the walk, not the walk on, but the the freshman from Canton who wasn't even dressed out last night, um, who kind of started it all and kind of may have sparked Alabama. It seemed like a little bit of a stretch on that, but you know whatever. Um, I thought Alabama looked big on the floor. Dante Hall plays like he's possessed. I don't know why Dante Hall doesn't play that way every game. Uh, Galen Smith is huge, and he finished with 10 points. And to me, that was the biggest thing. Yeah, we talked about how Dominic Olenicek has he's been better defensively really than, than people thought he was going to be. And last night was, ooh, it was an altogether different story. Yeah, so that's what I was kind of getting at is you had that pregame dust-up and then one team kind of harnessed that and brought it in the game and you know, the other team, that's pretty much all the emotional energy they spent the entire night. And yeah, I mean, You I'll, asked Kermit about that afterward. I did. I said, do you think the team started, I played with too much emotion and didn't handle it well? And I was, I was really referring to Terrence Davis getting the third tech, the third foul, technical foul with a minute 35 in the first half, because this is obviously not controlling your emotions well. And he had a great quote. It was, I didn't see any emotion. They said something happened in warm-ups or something. With the way we played tonight, if a fight broke out, God Almighty, we'd have had, had to have had a lot of emergency people to help our guys because we would have lost the fight too. I promise you that. He was not happy. That was. I went back and watched the video that you posted as well. That was verbatim. Yeah. Kermit Davis. Post game. Um, I mean, he was probably. I mean, spot on. Ceasefire text line from. Let's see. This is from Larry. The Rebels won't win many more games with one player in double figures with ten points and shooting fifty percent from the free throw line as a team. It, Larry, I, I don't think you're going to find anyone that will disagree with you. No. On that sentiment. Um, in reality, there probably won't be many games on the remaining schedule for Ole Miss where only one player scores in double figures with 10 points and they shoot 50% from the line. So I don't know that you have to, like, throw in the towel for the entire season at this point. They can get, like, seven guys with nine points, maybe. Yeah, maybe. That's a lot of points. Um... It was just kind of a perfect storm. You know, it it was... Ole Miss played really badly, did not... Really didn't show up. And then Alabama coming off a really frustrating loss in a game they thought they probably had a good chance to win at Tennessee. Really desperate for a win, and and they played like it. I mean, they were the aggressor. Avery Johnson said at one point after the game, he said, we "We had five guys on the floor for a loose ball at one time. He said, I haven't seen that since I've been at Alabama. Is it possible that that's the best game that Alabama has played this year? I haven't watched a ton of Alabama, but if they've played a better game... Kind of start to finish. Yeah, I, I, I would be a little surprised. They did. Alabama did not shoot it particularly well. They were thirty-eight and a half percent from the field, thirty-two percent from behind the arc, but they had twenty 
offensive rebounds and won the overall rebounding um, back and forth by 12, 44-32. And the other stat I mentioned to you, because as I was keeping up with it, was points off of turnovers. Yeah. I saw it at one point. It was 23-1. to I don't know how it finished. And that's largely resulted was a lot of live ball turnovers, um, which obviously that that leads to easy transition baskets. You particularly can't do that on the road because it gets the crowd going. That's kind of how momentum starts swinging on those on live ball turnovers as opposed to because I mean you'd rather sling the ball out of the gym because they have to you know inbound it back and you can get back and set on defense. But when you're throwing it away and losing the handle on it and they're kind of running off in transition with the guards that they have, it is it's a poor combination. Let's see, uh, Alabama had 23 points off of 16 Ole Miss turnovers and had 20-second chance points in the game. So When you're not shooting well, there's a recipe to win right there. Points off of turnovers and second-chance points, Alabama outscores Ole Miss 43-14. to Not a recipe for success. Um, Alabama's got Baylor on the road coming up uh, this weekend as part of the SEC Big 12 Challenge. Ole Miss hosts Iowa State. Iowa State's pretty good. So uh, that's a big one. We'll see if Ole Miss is able to bounce back on Saturday. More coming up with you in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Just after 4 o'clock with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, Wednesday afternoon. Careful, there's going to be a run on gopher wood at your local hardware store. Good grief, it's raining. It is really coming down out there. Yeah. Uh, and cold. Heavy stuff heavy is stuff. supposed to come down for quite a while. <sighs> Dang it. <laughs> is that where you're going at, boy? Yeah, but he was going with the accent. You just went like straight rippy voice. Oh, I would have butchered the accent. I wasn't even going to try. <laughs> Let's hear it, Borky. Oh, it's too late. Oh, you put him on the spot. Oh, now. So sad. It's not going to back away. Yeah, it's one of those things where you've got to, you work up the courage to do an accent on the radio, and then once that courage is taken away from you, you can't just get it right back. You got you got to just jump right it's in, man. Be don't organic. be afraid. Um, you want to be a part of the conversation? You can six zero one eight seven nine four three nine five six zero one eight seven nine four three nine five. Let's see here. C Spire text line, C Spire customer inspired. We're home and I heaten a dollar soup bowl. Much hungry, better soon. What? I'll have what he's having. He's having a dollar soup bowl. We, we See, do get. Hold, the... hold on a second. Text line. Let me read this verbatim. Okie dokie. We, the letter R, home in I heaten a dollar soup bowl, period. Much hungry, period. Better soon. No punctuation. Sure. Buddy, have a drink. Thank you for the uh, text. I do love the occasional accidental text to your wife that come to us thing that happens. You think that's what that is? I don't know about that one. I don't know about that one, but the be home soon love you stuff that we get. We got a home soon love you stuff uh, uh, last week. Either that or they were just telling us that they love us hey man, and they will love be home us, soon and we God. care about you being home soon so thank you tell us i would love a little more explanation was that text message intended for the ceasefire text line was it specifically for one of the four of us or was that maybe supposed to go to mama and she hadn't made it home yet and she was kind of wondering if you were feeling a little bit better and you'd gotten something to uh, nibble on 
We'll never. We, we may never know. Was that English? Okie dokie. It was. It was English. Is we it? are home, and I eating a dollar bowl, a dollar soup bowl. Much hungry. Is that like a better like ramen? Soup? Dollar soup. Bowl? I, I'm not sure. Not familiar with Dollar Soup Bowl. I am familiar with Mississippi Land Bank. They've been financing land for over a hundred years in North Mississippi. And so if you have land financing needs, well then Mississippi Land Bank is where you should call. Or stop by. Maybe you're in Starkville. You can uh, stop by the Starkville location. If you're in Cleveland or Clarksdale, you can stop by their branch office. Their headquarters are in Senatobia, New Albany, Tupelo, all over North Mississippi. A lot of good stuff going on at Mississippi Land Bank. Fantastic people, great products, and they can help you both with buying land or anything that's kind of associated with land, like building something on your land. You want to build a pond or a lake? Oh, if I had a piece of land that was dry as dirt, I would want to dig a hole in that dirt and figure out a way to fill it with water. I don't think you can do that for free. But Mississippi Land Bank can help me with it. MSLandBank.com, Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. One last thing segue. on this text. I love a good segue, man. Okay. Yes, Ed, Borky. Ed Orgeron voice on that text, please. Yeah. Okey We're home and I'm eating a dollar, dollar soup bowl. Much hungry. Better soon. <laughs> Thanks, babe. <laughs> That's ten times better. Richard and Wiggins. Did a stranger show up at any of you guys' house last week? Actually, yes. Why do you ask? What? 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 Yeah. No, what that happened. Mean? Somebody. A stranger what kind of a stranger? And at what time of day did or or the evening did this happen? What? It, it was in midday when I was home for lunch, and somebody rang the doorbell, and I opened the door, Ding and they looked dong. at me and said. Oh, sorry, I think I'm in the wrong place, got in their car, and left. I just assumed it was somebody scouting for, like, a home invasion, but may have just been Richard. Maybe they heard you were getting a 65-inch TV. Oh, don't worry, the box has been hidden. What? Wait, you, but, you didn't but how does the... Richard from Wiggins know? What's going on here? I, do, I don't know. See, now I'm, now I'm scared. Pick, I just didn't think anything of it He's going to pick us off one at a time? We got, we got issues here, guys. This just kind of got creepy. Yeah, yeah, Richard, clarify, man. Um, so yesterday you got the Hall of Fame I- announcement. Guys that are in versus guys that are not in. Four inductees. The threshold for being inducted is 75% of the vote. There were 425 voters. Talked about it earlier. Mariano Rivera became the first in the history of of the Hall of Fame to go in as a unanimous selection, 100% of the vote. So I would ask you this question. Knowing that Babe Ruth did not go in with 100% of the vote, Hank Aaron did not go in with 100% of the vote, Ty Cobb, Lou Gehrig, Willie Mays, etc. Right. Did Mariano Rivera deserve more than those guys? to get 100% of the vote? Because the, the answer would be, look, those guys deserve to get 100% of the vote. It just didn't happen. Does Rivera deserve to be in with 100% of the vote more than those who didn't get in with 100% of the vote? My answer to that is nobody deserved to get 100% of the vote. Okay. He didn't deserve it more than Babe Ruth or Hank Aaron. You know, He didn't deserve it more than Ty Cobb or Cy Young. 
but he definitely deserved to get it. Prior to Rivera getting 100%, the highest vote percentage to gain Hall entry belonged to Ken Griffey Jr. 2016, 437 of 440 ballots. He got 99.3% of the vote. Vote. Can't talk. So Rivera gets in. The other three inductees for this year. Roy Halladay. The late Roy Halladay. Yeah. Edgar Martinez. Designated hitter extraordinaire. And the Moose, Mike Mussina. Rippy, I think we're qualifying you as our resident baseball expert. You good with these four? Yeah, I think so. It's see, whatever whatever this comes out every year that people argue about who got snubbed and who didn't and who should be in and who shouldn't, I just have a hard time and it may be partly because I wasn't old enough to watch some of the guys that get in. Not necessarily this year's class, but I'm just talking about in years in general, to have such a strong stance as to like why X should be in instead of Y mm-hmm. and things like that. So I d I don't really have a problem. These are all fantastic players and and more than deserving. I was trying to look up a stat. There was I saw something yesterday where Martinez's numbers against Musina and uh and uh, Rivera was just something stupid. I, I can't remember. I'm, I'm going to try to look it up and find it, but it was on Twitter. But it would it was jaw dropping. Um, guys that didn't get in but received a pretty significant amount of vote of the vote. Kurt Schilling does he deserve to be in? Yes or no? Yes. And the reason See, why he's not is political. See, with me. When you say, is this guy a Hall of Famer? I want my, my reaction to be instant yes or no. Mm-hmm. And because there's any hesitation on this one, I have to say no. Okay. Rippy? Schilling? Yes. Yes. Roger Clemens? Yes. Yes. Borky? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Barry Bonds? Yes. I can't say yes fast enough. And not because you're a Giants fan, I hope. Uh, even if I wasn't a Giants fan, his numbers bear it out. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. So you're not hung up on steroid era? Well, we talked about this a lot when you were gone, the, the, the one of the weeks you were gone, where we said the Baseball Hall of Fame should just create a wing that's called the steroid era and put these guys into it. Or just realize that the people going to visit have brains. Yeah. And they know what was going on in there's the all game that at that time. There's, there, there's, there's, you yeah. saw it happen with your own eyes. Yeah. It counts. Yeah. It's like the idea of taking a banner down at Memphis – saying that John Calipari led Memphis to a Final Four. Nope, no, he didn't. We took the banner down. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I saw him blow that lead against Kansas. Uh, it happened. We got, a, we got a text here from the 601. Pete Rose. That's a different... Is it different I, for I, you? I just it's can't not, It's not necessarily the, the just the betting on baseball. It's the things that happened okay. afterward. The, now, is that more for you? Because you're working with the Reds, you have some, some access that we don't know about? He's a very controversial figure there. There's a stadium, there's a statue of him that sits on the facades of the stadium and um, the what? The what? What did I say? Facades? You've never heard that? Facades. Facades. What? I, I don't know where that came from. Facades, that man said. Well, it's been a long day. That, that's what the word Get another Red Bull and Rippy, man. Anyway, very controversial uh, figure. <laughs> I, it's been a long day. I don't even know what I just said. <laughs> 
Larry Walker, yes or no? No. No. Omar Vizquel? No. no. Crime Dog McGriff? Yes. Will Clark? Mm. Yes. Jeff Kent? No. Dale Murphy? Nah. Oh, yeah, I mean, I, mean I, yes. I think yes, but two home runs short of 400, you did it to yourself. More coming up in the Renaissance Bank studio. All right, let me, let me give you a little sample of the C Spire text line. This is interesting. Lucas asked about Will Clark. Ethan says Pete uh, Rose should be in. Another question about Pete Rose. Tim and Tupelo says crime dog for sure. Uh, something about uh, U.S. soccer. There's an I'm still laughing. You guys are funny. And then there's the one guy who said, Richard, you may be a nice guy, but you come across as being a donkey when you make fun of the fellow speakers on the radio. You're the only guy that wasn't laughing at that, by the way. We were all laughing about it. I was laughing. I think Teddy Cahill would have laughed about it as well. Baseball America, Teddy Cahill does a great job covering the game that is very, very close to being here. Three weeks from this Friday, Teddy, it's currently 41 degrees and raining in Oxford. Sounds like baseball weather, right? Absolutely. Oh, goodness. Um, Are we in for a fantastic season this year and obviously i'm kind of coming at that question with a little bit of an sec angle because that's where we are but what about nationally yeah i mean i think that uh we're looking at a a pretty fun year i mean down in the state of mississippi for sure i mean you're looking at uh mississippi state coming off of an omaha appearance and uh there's a lot of excitement for a lot of reasons around that program old miss is returning a lot as well and uh, you know, what Southern Miss has built um, you know, has, has become they've become the powerhouse of, uh, of Conference USA. And then yeah. nationally, I think this is going to be an interesting year because, you know, you look at it and the last couple of years I felt like there have been a kind of a defined uh, you know, top echelon. And this year it feels a little more wide open. You know, last year Florida and Oregon State were kind of the clear-cut one and two and um, you know, they'd separated themselves a little bit from the pack and I feel like going into this year, there are a lot more teams kind of vying to be in that top tier. Um, you, you mentioned Southern Miss, and of, of all the polls that have come out so far, I think it was Baseball America is the only one that had them in the top 25. I, I tend to agree with you, if for no other reason, because of Scott, what Scott Berry's teams do on a year-in, year-out basis. What did you see specifically with regard to Southern Miss that you thought um, was the reason to have them in that top 25 group? I mean, I think it starts with Matt Walner. They have a superstar, bona fide superstar, Matt Walner, who can impact the game in so many different ways. I mean, just when you look at his hitting and then you throw in the fact that they're probably going to have to use him on the mound a little bit more. And I, I think that what they've proven over the years is that they're just a really consistent program. And, yeah, I know they have to replace a couple superstars, Nick Sandlin and Luke Reynolds. Uh, but I, I think that they've earned the trust that – you know, they're, they're going to have the talent there to reload and that as the best team in Conference USA, that you know, by the end of the year, they're, they're probably going to be, uh, you know, a team that's, that's, you know, in the top 25. So, you know, I, I, I think it starts with, uh, with Matt Walner. They, they do have an older team in general. Um, you know, they do have to replace a couple of those big guys, like I mentioned, but I think when they have the experience on the roster that they do and, uh, you know, a superstar in the middle of the lineup. I think that's a great place to to build a team. 
Teddy Cahill from Baseball America on your radio. Teddy, let's rewind to September for a second. I I remember, like most of the college baseball community, being shocked when the Pat Casey news came out, that he was stepping down, retiring as the Oregon State baseball coach. And because we're kind of sitting in the middle of college football or the start of college football, it's one of those things that kind of grabs your attention and then it just kind of gets pushed to the back burner. Was there ever any more backstory that that came out as to why he retired coming off of a national championship, pretty good team coming back? No, and I mean, I, I don't think there is one, to, to be honest. Uh, you know, Pat's talked to a few people um, you know, since then, and, and basically he's just saying that you know, he, going into the, the fall practice, didn't feel like he didn't have the fire that he needed and that he's always said that if he's not 100% committed, he doesn't want to do it. And, you know, because he demands that his players be 100% committed and he can't ask them to do something that he can't do. And I think that, um, you know, given all that happened over the last couple of years, I think that took a lot out of him. Uh, I and I can only imagine that once you get to the top of the heap, you know, it, it becomes a little harder to say, okay, now we're starting at the bottom again. Like, yeah. let's go. And so I think all so you, of that so you together, think the Luke Heimlich story really took a toll? I, I think that over the last few years that that was hard on him. Absolutely. I mean, that that okay. was something that you know he had to deal with all the time. That uh, you know, really for for a year, uh, kind of. Took a lot of helium, uh, you know, around that program. It, it, it ate up or a, a lot of oxygen. It ate up around that program. Just so much of what people talked about with Oregon State was that, and so I think you know that was that was all part of it. Um, you know, and he's been doing this for a really long time. It's the other thing. You know, he's been there more than twenty years now. So I, I think it's hard. Um, you know, and then they also do have that kind of unique provision in that he can come back at the end of the season. So. A lot of people are looking to see, you know, what what his thoughts are going to be on that, uh, you know, come May, and it, it'll be interesting to see how all that all that plays out. But I, I don't think there was any one triggering factor. I think it was just a kind of an accumulation of twenty plus years of, of being a head coach and how difficult that is in in this day and age. It's like a sabbatical. Maybe. Essentially, yes, it's quite possible that's what this ends up being. Uh, Teddy Brian Haydad here. Let's let's go inside the state and look at Mississippi State. You know, a team coming off of, of a great postseason run. They didn't have a great regular season, but they got hot at the, at the right time. And now this year, you know, I'm seeing them sort of consistently top 15 or so. Do you do you like where Mississippi State is as a program, and, and what are they lacking that that's keep them out of maybe the SEC race with Vanderbilt and LSU at the top? Uh, I do like where they are. I mean, I think that anytime you start with Jake Mangum and Ethan Small, like those are just two really great places to start. Uh, you know, as for why they're a cut below the, the, the SEC favorites, I would say that um, there, there's some uncertainty on the mound to an extent. You know, they have to, they do have some pieces to replace there, like Connor Pilkington. Uh, you know, you have Spencer Price coming back from injury. What's that going to look like exactly? And, you know, as good as last year finished, and I know that last year was a tumultuous season, but they still went 15 and 15 in the SEC, and um, you know that then lost some pieces. So I, I think that there's a little bit of a talent gap maybe between LSU and and Vanderbilt and Mississippi State. Just when you look at premium draft prospects, uh, they aren't quite there as much in Mississippi State right now. Uh, you know maybe JT Ginn can start.
start changing that a little bit, um, but he is just a freshman. So I think all those things together kind of uh, work against him. And then you also have the uncertainty of a first-year head coach, and I, I think Chris Limonis would do a fine job down there. I think he's a really good coach, but this is his first season at Starkville. It's his first season in the SEC, and, uh, you know, there are going to be some growing pains, and I, I don't think they're going to be overly significant, but when you compare him to, to Paul Maneri and Tim Corbin or Kevin O'Sullivan, it, it is a little different. Up the road a little bit in Oxford, um, pretty loaded lineup coming back. Some questions maybe on, on the pitching staff just because it's a, a different location or a, a, a different rotation than what Ole Miss had a year ago and uh, certainly not a new face with Mike Bianco going into his 19th season, 19th or 20th season. Yeah, I mean, he's the longest tenured coach in the league, I'm pretty sure. It's, uh, it's yeah. pretty impressive. And, you know, I, I love that offense. And, you know, I, initially when I started looking at this team, I was a little concerned because, you know, all, all three weekend starters are gone, and usually that's that, that's not a good thing. But you start looking at it, and they have like seven guys for those spots, and I, I think all seven of them can do a pretty good job of it. So it's just going to be up to the coaching staff there to determine the three best ones and, and to piece together the pitching staff around them and Parker Karachi at the back end of the bullpen. And, um, you know, I, I think those options, um, you know, give them a lot of upside. They just kind of have to hit on who the best three are going to be. And they have the offense and defense to carry them in the meantime. And, you know, the fact that the bullpen is, can be as deep as it can be means that maybe the starters don't have to be relied on all that much. Maybe they can, as long as they get five or six innings out of them, that that's going to be enough, that they don't have to have shutdown starters. So I think that the ceiling of that team is pretty good. I think the uncertainty of the rotation will work itself out over the first few weeks, but that is something to watch, uh, especially the first month or so of the season. Teddy, we asked this question yesterday on the show when we were talking about your rankings. What do you think? Uh, what, what's the record that's going to win the SEC this year? Wow! Uh, so Florida kind of really blew the usual SEC winning record out of the water last year. They kind of ran away with it, but I think there's probably going to be a little more parity this year. I, you know, if you get to 22 wins, like that would definitely win it. It might be 20 and 10. Uh, if it was 19 and 11, I wouldn't be stunned either. But I, I think maybe there will be a 20 and 10 team in there. Is there an off the radar team in the SEC? Uh, you know, I mean, Tennessee could could bounce back. Uh, you know, and I, I think Missouri is kind of interesting as well this year. They're, they're, the the SEC is deep as usual, and Kentucky has yeah. a lot of talent. You know, there's talent all over the league. Yeah. Tony Vitello, I think, drives a Porsche. That's got to count for something. He might be the only college baseball coach in America that does that. He's uh, he's out there Teddy, working it, that's for sure. Yeah, no doubt. Teddy, really appreciate your time. Good to uh, good to talk some baseball. We'll do it on a much more frequent basis in uh, just a couple of weeks. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. That's Teddy Cahill from Baseball America. Sports Talk Mississippi. A little college baseball three and a half weeks from opening day. We're back with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Senior Bowl going on, well, coming up this weekend. You've seen a lot of practice reports and reports on individual players uh, coming from that event throughout the course of the week. Right now on the Farm Bureau phone line, check out favorites.com and go with the home team is Dane Brugler from The Athletic. Dane, from all the pictures I've seen and all the video I've seen, it looks like the weather in Mobile is fantastic this week. 
it's been a struggle to, to stay dry uh, this week. It's uh, pouring as we speak, uh, and if uh, you hear any loud noises, it's probably thunder. So it's uh, it's been pretty bad, but luckily we got in yesterday's practice uh, for the most part, a little bit of sprinkles here and there. We got it in. Today has been an absolute downpour that they've been practicing at the new South Alabama facility, uh, indoor facility uh, here in Mobile. But uh, because of space issues, it's closed off the media. So um, I'm going to get the tape later tonight, eager to look forward uh, to look at the tape from today's practices. Because that's why we're here. Uh, that's why most scouts leave tomorrow after practice is because, you know, the game's great. But we're here to see the practices, scout the players. Uh, and it's a, it's a good first step to this draft process. Dane, is every team represented, even the, the Super Bowl teams? Oh, absolutely. There's, there's hundreds and hundreds of uh, uh, scouts, coaches. Uh, both I've seen multiple uh, personnel guys with uh, the Patriots and the Rams. They're here, no question about it. Uh, every CFL team's here, the XFL's here. I mean, it's been uh, mobile kind of for this week. Uh, every sports, every uh, football league comes in and kind of takes over. Uh, highlighted by the NFL, and it's uh, it's a fun week. It's a chance to look at these guys. There's over a hundred, uh, you know, college prospects here at the Senior Bowl who are open for a chance. Some of them, you know, your Montez Sweats are, uh, you know, looking at the first round pick. But then you have some other guys who are just trying to get drafted or trying to get noticed by a team. So it's uh, it's a job interview. That's how a lot of these uh, players have to look at it. And this is a great way to audition for teams. All the reports that we've seen, you mentioned his name, Montez Sweat, has just been dominant in practice. Have you seen anything from him this week that you didn't anticipate seeing? No, I wouldn't say that because, I mean, look, we have two years, obviously, of tape to watch uh, Montez Sweat in the SEC and, you know, two years of double-digit sacks, two years of him uh, being just a terror off the edge, using that length, that body flexibility, uh, that core power to either go around tackles or go through them. We've seen him do both here at practice uh, in Mobile. Uh, I think that, you know, he became a better run defender this year. I think we saw that on tape, and that's not something here during practice that, you know, you can necessarily simulate. Um, that's something that we'll see in the game. Uh, but for the one-on-ones, the practice reps, he's looked terrific. Uh, I thought the first step for Montez was, uh, the weigh-ins, uh, you know, he's listed around 245. Was he going to be closer to 240? Was he closer to 250? Because uh, we know he has that lean frame, uh, you know, where he's he's got muscle definition, but he's not really bulky. So does he have room to get bigger? Is he would he hit the 250 mark? And he came in at 252, which I think was a good weight for him. Uh, but also the 35 and 5 eighths inch arms, uh, that length is really why Montez Sweat looked at it as a first round pick. Uh, not only does he have the length, he understands how to use it to his advantage, uh, and, and that's why we're looking at uh, you know this this first round of pass rushers being such a strong group. Included in that is Montez Sweat. Hey Dane, Brian. Hey Dad. We all know about Montez Sweat. Jeff Simmons are likely to be first round picks out of Mississippi State. When I talked to you back in I think in October. Uh, we talked about Jonathan Abram and Elton Jenkins. They're both there, although Abram's not practicing. Where where are those guys standing right now as far as where they'll fall in the draft? Well, I thought Jenkins was definitely one of the winners of day one of practice. Uh, it moved well, strong. The grip strength is outstanding. Uh, so he, he showed the lower body, the mirror. He showed the upper body where he could control, sustain, and then toss you. So I, I thought he held himself up really well. I, I think he is... For some teams, I think he's going to be in a top 40, top 50 mix. 
And then for some other teams, he might be just outside of that. But regardless, we're talking about a player who uh, has put himself in the conversation of being a second-round pick, uh, you know, maybe even higher for some teams. You know, who knows? I thought he had a really good week and really, you know, continued that momentum after a strong senior year. Uh, so Jenkins definitely in the mix to be one of the top offensive linemen from the senior class. Uh, then Jonathan Abram, unfortunately, we didn't get a chance to see him this week. Uh, he is still here. He's still meeting with teams. Uh, they flagged a shoulder uh, issue with him. But, man, he's got some fun tape watching him fly around the field. Uh, at the very least, you're getting a, a big-time special teams player with the way he can, uh, you know, love contact, love to fly around and hit people. He's a magnet to the ball. Uh, but I think he'd hold up uh, at the back end of a defense as a starting safety in the NFL. Uh, not a premier athlete in terms of his ability to cover, but he can he can reach both sidelines. Uh, he, he can uh, you know show the closing burst that you need to uh, come down and be a force against the run. Uh, so Jonathan Abram, he's in the mix to be uh, you know one of the first five safeties off the board. Uh, hopefully he's healthy for the combine and has a chance to show himself out there. Dane Brugler uh, on your radio from The Athletic. He's covering the Senior Bowl in Mobile. Javon Patterson's an interesting guy to me. He was you know, highly sought of coming out of high school. I remember watching him in the spring leading into his senior year of high school and thinking that he looked like a ready-made center in the SEC You know, as he was a rising senior. Start six games as a freshman, has started every game for the last three years on the offensive line for Ole Miss. Where does he fit into the mix with, with all of this going forward? He had, a, he had an okay week or uh, day uh, in first practice. Uh, biggest thing for him is looking to see him get better throughout the week, take some of the coaching that he receives, and that's really why it's so beneficial to be here. Uh, you get pro coaching. Uh, you know, the, he's on the South roster, uh, so he's being coached by the San Francisco 49ers uh, coaching staff. Uh, you know, a chance to you know, really make yourself a better player. Uh, you know, not that he didn't get good coaching at Ole Miss, but it's just a different level when you're talking about uh, you know, what the NFL expects of you and what they expect of your technique or fundamentals. And I think it's a big thing for, uh, for Patterson, just you know, getting better, more consistent, being repeatable with his steps, with his hand placement, his hand timing, uh, because I think he has a lot of the physical traits you look for. I mean, he's 6'3", 306. Uh, he moves okay. And he gets the body control to the next level. It's just all about doing, you know, fine-tuning the details and making sure that – because in the NFL, against some of these interior uh, defensive linemen, there's such a small room for error. Uh, you know, you don't have a chance to, uh, you know, recover and, you know, make up for a false step or a mistake. And so for him, it's just all about being consistent, being repeatable. Um, and so that's what I'm looking for uh, from practice one to practice two to practice three for him. Hmm. Interesting stuff. Dane Brugler from The Athletic. He's an NFL draft scout covering the Senior Bowl in Mobile. What about Gardner Minshew? He's a Mississippi native, put up massive numbers in Mike Leach's offense at Washington State this past year. Is he an NFL quarterback? I think we have to take him seriously as an NFL prospect. Um, okay. You know, I think there's there's a lot of what he does screams, you know, Baker Mayfield with, you know, he's a little undersized. He's just under six foot one. He's about, uh, you know, 224 pounds, big hands. Uh, you know, but it's more about, you know, the energy that he brings, uh, the intangible factor. Uh, so he still got the mustache? He, uh, no, he's got a little bit of a – he still has the mustache, but he grew out the, the beard a little bit. So it's, oh. it's, not, as, it's not as prominent. You know, he looks a little, little more like a, uh, like a normal, <laughs> normal guy. Uh, but it's still, 
he, he, when you watch him, he still has that little bit of swagger to him. You know, he still he, he still moves around like he knows. Uh, you know, he's he's got all the confidence in the world, and he's practiced like that. We, he doesn't have a huge arm, um, but this is a big week for him because you know all the scouts they want to see him removed from that Washington State offense, you know, the air raid, pass-happy offense, where, you know, it's designed to spread out the defense, open up holes, uh, you know, open up zones, uh, quick read, you know, not asking you to go through a lot of progressions. And so moving to a more pro-style scheme, you know, that's the big question with Gardner Minshew is, okay, when we put him on a whiteboard, is he going to be able to decipher coverages? He's going to be able to tell me, okay, this combination route, uh, you know, I'm looking for this, uh, you know, I need this pre-snap, I'm looking for this post-snap. If the safety does this, I'm going to the X. It's all these things are, you know, stuff that, you know, you can get during the interview process and, you know, when you put them on the whiteboard. And that's where Gardner Minshew is really going to be able to help himself and, prove the team whether or not he's a draft pick. I think he's probably somewhere on day three, you know, rounds four through seven. You bring him in, and I think you, uh, you know, a good guy to add your quarterback room. Dane, if we set a, an over-under four-and-a-half for first-round picks, for uh, first-round picks out of Ole Miss and Mississippi State, which way would you go? we got about a minute left. Uh, four-and-a-half. Uh, okay, well, you know, I think with Mississippi State, you, you have two for sure with Montez Sweat and uh, – uh, Simmons, and then with Ole Miss, you know, you think that Greg Little is going to be there. There's some inconsistency there, but with his feet and his frame, I still think he's going to go there. And then DK Metcalf, I think, good chance he ends up in the first round. I, you know, I'll take the under, but I wouldn't be surprised if we go over with, you know, Johnson Abrams getting in there, Elton Jenkins getting in there, maybe an A.J. Brown. Uh, Mississippi, the state of Mississippi is going to be well uh, represented this year in the first round, no question. Dane, great stuff today. Really appreciate you taking a few minutes with us, and uh, hope we can uh, can follow up with you down the line. Sounds good. Anytime, guys. That's Dane Brugler from the Athletic. Back with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, five o'clock hour. Great to have you along for the ride on a rainy Wednesday. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank online at mslandbank.com, where they know the lay of the land. If you're a farmer in North Mississippi. I hope you're already doing business with Mississippi Land Bank. But if you're not, then I would encourage you to reach out to them and talk to them about kind of the financial setup that you've got. Whether uh, you're you're getting ready to buy new equipment, you're refinancing an existing loan, uh, maybe you're taking out crop loans for the upcoming year, maybe it's that you're buying a new piece of property that's going to be part of the farm. Well, Mississippi Land Bank can help with all of those things. They've been financing land for over 100 years, and they know and understand the farming business. Their home is in the Mississippi Delta. Well, I guess right outside the Mississippi Delta. Their corporate office in Senatobia, but they've got branch offices in the Delta and scattered all throughout North Mississippi. Give them a call. You can find the phone number on the website. You can also find the branch locations nearest you on their website, mslandbank.com, Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey, Wednesday with you. It is time for the College Football Fix. College Football Fix, driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. You can drive a Ford today. Or tomorrow or the next day by going to your Mississippi Ford either test drive, whatever it is that you like. Is it the Explorer or the Expedition? Maybe it's the F-150, the best-selling truck in America for 43 straight years. 
Or maybe it's a car. Maybe it's that Ford Fusion that looks so good and rides so smooth. Ford. BuyFordNow.com, the website where you can check it all out before you go and visit your local Mississippi Ford dealer. The winds of change in college football. What do you think about these ideas? The AFCA, American Football Coaches Association, they had their convention, what, two weeks ago? Unanimously supports a model that puts targeting fouls into two separate categories. Targeting one for hits without malicious intent. Targeting two for more egregious hits. A targeting one penalty would carry a 15-yard foul with no ejection or no suspension. Targeting two would result in automatic ejection and possible suspension. Shane Lyons is the chair of the Football Oversight Committee. So the way targeting is called on the field and the way it's reviewed in the replay booth are also put up for further discussion and review. The committee recommended further study by the Rules Committee uh, when they met in February. Let's press pause right there. Is this something that we're all in favor of? You know, I, I like the concept, but I remember when we tried this with face masks, and they tried to have tiers of face masks, and it, what, it lasted like two years, and and then now it's it's back to everything's a fifteen yard penalty. So I mean, if they're going to commit to it, and they're really going to make a go of it, sure, because it does need to occur this way. There are sometimes when targeting just it just can't be avoided. It just physically cannot. And versus the guys when somebody just goes in head first. Uh, so I'm in favor of it, but we'll see if it can actually work. Yeah, you wonder how consistently you'll end up getting called. But like you said, there are some instances where it... Like, you can tell on replay when it looks malicious versus it just kind of happening, given kind of the angles the two guys were going at. So, I mean, generally I like it. I just don't know, like, how doable do y'all think it is to to police it accurately, if that's even the right word. What do you think, Borgie? It should be relatively easy to enforce. There is going to be some gray area, but even though it wasn't even called, but since it was the national championship game, everybody's eyes was on that one particular play where Trevor Lawrence dropped his head. Alabama defender hit him in the head, and people were were losing their minds because it wasn't targeting. In those kind of situations, even though I still don't think it should be 15 yards at all, having that wiggle room for a a bang-bang ill intent, the offensive player adjusts his target after the defender sizes him up kind of play is so much better than the current setup because a player getting suspended for a half or for the rest of a game or getting ejected from a game on hits that happen in a split second that are not malicious, that are just the happenings of football, I think is just dead wrong. And this should have been the the setup from the beginning. Is there going to be times where the rule's not enforced properly? Sure. But in basketball, flagrant one, flagrant two, sometimes they get it wrong. But most of the time, it's a well-enforced rule. I think this is, if it goes through, which it should, is absolutely needed. Because guys getting kicked off the field for a regular football hit is just stupid at the highest level of college football. Um. Devin White would have been eligible for the entire Alabama game. Yeah. That would have made a huge difference in that outcome. <laughs> Probably not. Um, it was the player that um, 
that was ejected for Ole Miss early in the Auburn game? For targeting? Same day. It was the same yeah. day as the LSU Alabama. I thought the I thought the the Auburn player had it reversed. Yeah, oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. It was an Auburn player, and it was initially called targeting, but and reversed, then they even though it looked like clear targeting in that instance, if I'm not mistaken. But did it? No, but you might be right. Wasn't there one on the other end of the field where it didn't necessarily look like targeting, but someone from Ole Miss got ejected? I don't I, know. I, I remember. Was that against A and M? No, it was definitely. Auburn because they happen on the same side of the sideline but on opposite ends of the field. I don't know, but it, it happens far too often. Yeah, yeah. don't you? Th- but why is like what is the point of the ejection and the suspended for the next half? Like that seems like a rule of golf where the punishment doesn't fit the crime at all. It's just to de incentivize those kind of high hits. And in fairness, they have worked. I mean, the the penalties are they have gone down. I think last year to this year. Um, 2017 to 2018, there wasn't really much of a change, but from the year the rule was initially implemented to now, they have dropped pretty dramatically. So it's working, but the cost at times, I think, is outweighing the reward. Don't you think it would drop with just the 15-yard penalty, though? Yeah, mm-hmm. especially if, if you have the, the flagrant two, uh, we can call it. Yeah, it, it still would. Hmm. Ceiling, it feels like this is something that's gaining traction. Yeah, oh yeah. And and that we're going to see a shift toward. What about changes to overtime? Shane Lyons, the same guy, Football Oversight Committee chairman, said that overtime is something that the committee wants the rules committee to stir, study further in the wake of the seven-overtime game between LSU and Texas A&M. Though only a handful of games went beyond a few overtimes during the 18th season, Lyons said player safety is the forefront of any possible tweaks to the overtime format. You know the rules. Um, he said any change would rule out allowing games to end in a tie. The question is, are there things we can tweak in the overtime that could possibly shorten the length? Do you leave it the same? Do you automatically have to go for two even after your first touchdown for both teams, what are things to potentially lessen overtime? No kickers. You can't kick a field goal. You can't kick an extra point. You got to go for two, and you got to score a touchdown. Back them up fifteen yards. Start at the forty instead of the twenty-five. I, I just have a little bit of a problem with altering scoring opportunities. See, well, I mean, you've played 60 minutes of football, I, I and now get we're going to play a hybrid version of football I get to determine that. Well, a you're sort of doing that after the third overtime anyway. You're not allowing them to kick extra points anymore. Yeah, but it's still a football play. Yeah, I mean, I get that. But Taking a field goal I'm opportunity saying It's fourth and six. you gotta, you got to have to go for it. Hmm. But that would, that would immediately lessen the amount of overtimes, I think. Any other changes you'd like to see? Uh, it, it appears as if nobody can be happy with whatever the current overtime rules are, regardless that's of true. The, the sport. That's true. That's I mean, nobody can be happy about anything. Isn't college is pretty good, though? Yes, it's better than the pros. People got mad about the coin toss deal this weekend. Wouldn't it be kind of cool if it was the uh, old XFL rules instead of a coin toss? Well, how about this? The ball? Yes. I'm a big fan of that. In the NFL, they, they put the ball at the 50, and it was just a sprint to whoever got the ball. From each goal line? Yeah, right? from each goal line. Whoever got the ball, got the, got. the they won the toss. Can you imagine, like, Gronk and somebody oh, doing that? The, the problem with that well, is Gronk wouldn't we'll, have, we'll have targeting on, on, the, on the coin toss, though. Guys will be trying to spear each other down there. 
What were you saying, Borky? Uh, just you'd be surprised. People are, are up in arms about the coin toss thing, but actually in the NFL, the team that has to kick in overtime wins more than the team yeah. that receives the, the overtime kickoff. Whatever college overtime rule they change, here's one they have to change. They have to stop telling us the rules of college overtime, unless they change them again. But I want that rule changed. Yeah, we started doing that in, this in 1994. 1997 was the first year of college overtime. And here we are. Here are the rules like we don't know them. Yeah. Um, some interesting discussion with regard to transfers as well. Uh, coaches don't like this free-for-all transfer stuff, and they sure don't like the idea of letting guys out of December early letters of intent that are signed just because a coach leaves and goes somewhere else. That's right. This was the American Football Coaches Association. Sports Talk Mississippi Wednesday afternoon. Cross Borky, Rippy, and Haydad. Glad to have you along. Um, of course, the three old Miss guys are first. Oh. Shut up. <laughs> Jeez. What? Borky writes, it's almost become a daily segment at this point. Mississippi State loses another football yeah. staff member. Just get on the wagon, buddy. What's, uh, what's going on? Oh, well, I don't think it's anything... Because these guys are leaving for, in my opinion, better jobs. You've had one guy go from Mississippi State to Alabama, and now this is the second guy going to the NFL. Uh, Anthony Paroli, who was with Bruce Arians out in Arizona. Now Bruce Arians is back in the game as the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Paroli is going to reunite with him in Tampa Bay. And so MSU down a strength and conditioning coach, which is super exciting. Because when you get a new strength and conditioning coach, Richard, as you know. They yell a lot. They, well, not only that, man. You are do, you are just working so much harder than you worked the year before. When you get a new strength and conditioning coach, that guy is doing some innovative stuff that's never been seen before. And you won't believe what the old coach was letting them get away with. So if you could change strength and conditioning coaches every year, you would have a super team in like five years. The uh, the old coach that got called up to the NFL? He, you just, it's, just, it's unbelievable. The stuff that was that was just going on under his watch. You know, sometimes... You do see a change, yeah. But to try, if, if but it's not in one if year. That claim is made. It's made every. It's made on every message board in America. If that claim is made with what this Mississippi State team just was, mm-hmm. I mean, disappointing maybe. Yeah, but they were physically imposing. Yeah, they were. So let's just now, now, now maybe if there's a mental toughness piece to this, that could be. I don't think that's it. I think it's just. It's just wishful thinking for message board fans. But that said, uh, State is in the market for a new uh, strength and conditioning coach, um, and we'll see where, where that takes us. You know, Moorhead. You going to apply for that? <laughs> All right, guys, what we're going to do is watch me and do the opposite, and you're going to be in fantastic shape. Well, I mean, you don't have to do it to coach it. Yeah, if you get it, just mandate that all the players wear their T-shirts a half-size smaller so it looks like, like a lot of schmediums. results. A lot of schmediums and melarges. It's probably half the battle. Do they make a half size smaller for you? <laughs> Don't think so. <laughs> Especially not with these arms. That's a one T. Oh, come on! <laughs> See, I was just being playful, and then you just took it a, a step forward. He called me a loser on Monday. By God! No, I just put you on my list. Yeah, talk smack. Now I'm here. What are you going to do, Borky? Are you still mad about that? No, I've moved on to Pelicans basketball, which is equally as depressing. But <laughs> you haven't really moved on, then. You've just gone from bad to worse. 
And it got good Anthony Davis news today, at least. It's not four weeks. It's just one and a half. Hey. So they can make their run to be the eight seed and get smoked by the Warriors in four games in the playoffs. On a um, kind of putting a bow on the whole strength coach thing, there's not like a hot board for strength coaches, yeah, is there? there's not. I mean, and I don't even really know. Like, I mean, this is something that, that a coach usually hires based on familiarity yeah. and relationships. Yeah, I mean, if you told me that State's hiring a wide receivers coach from – I'm trying to think who has you know Alabama. Let's just use it as an example. I know Josh Gaddis is at Michigan now, but you're going to be like, okay, Alabama had great wide receivers. Sure, sounds good. But you know, when you're talking about a strength coach, I mean, can you go get Iowa's Iowa's wide receivers coach or strength no strength coach? coach. I'd put the answer a, is no. I put in a call. <laughs> the I, answer is no. You I, can. Do you oh, know that, who it is? that was not a reference. That was not a a shot. I, I didn't even think about the fact that Iowa was the opponent in the bowl game. Yeah. Had nothing to do with that. Is, do it's you the highest paint strength coach in America. Oh, is it? Okay, I didn't know. Yeah. So I what? Know that. He makes more than Scott Cochran does. Yeah. At well, a, I mean, maybe it's changed. I'm about to say, uh, but he has had the reputation. That's the other being, thing. I can't. I can't be the strength coach. I don't want to be the guy jumping up and down for four quarters. I can't do that. Like physically, I cannot. That could be. That could be the first exercise well, I implement. Would, maybe though. this would you've be gotta, good you've for you. You got to pick me up for four quarters. You got to. If you can pick me up for four quarters, that's a good start. Maybe this would be good for you all the way around. So you're saying I could lose some weight, get a little, get in the gym. I did not say that you could lose some weight. I just said it would be Richard. Good for you got to get over the, the sensitivity you have about my. I'm not sensitive about it. It's okay to make fun of it. Iowa right? strength coach Chris Doyle, highest paid strength coach in America, gets a raise to seven hundred twenty-five thousand dollars. Is that it was, Doyle or O'Doyle? It'd be funnier if it's O'Doyle. Um, it's Doyle. Dang. <sighs> I was hoping it was O'Doyle. Seven hundred twenty-five thousand dollars a year year to yell at guys about lifting weights. I mean, they're guys okay. That, that's not fair. I know those guys do. They're, they're doing more, but yeah, that, that's more than a lot of. I mean, they're they're defensive and offensive coordinators not making that. Head coaches put a lot of value on that position, not because of lifting weights and running sprints and being in condition for the fourth quarter, but because that's the guy that has the ability to kind of oversee your team when. Air quotes by rule. Yeah. You're not allowed to watch. Them. They, they 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 have complete control of them for about three months that the head coach can't. So yeah, the strength. Coach, I mean, the relationship has to be. He's got to be somebody who connects with the players. I'll give you an example. Uh, Matt Bayless, who was at MSU when Mullen first started, beloved by the players to the point where my, my friend Chad Bumpus, who just uh, took a job with Austin P and Mark Hudspeth, uh, his Twitter handle for a while was I'm Bayless Made. I mean, he loved Matt Bayless, and they had a great relationship. And that means that those guys are buying into the program, and they're they're doing what it has what has to be done. Whereas if you have a guy who doesn't connect, you know, the guys will get in there and work, but are they going to work any harder than they have to at that point? Maybe not. You can text the show six zero one eight seven nine four three nine five. We read lots of interesting texts, some of the good ones, some of the bad ones. This would I don't know where this qualifies. The show is just so bad now. Thanks. Oh, well. It must really say something, though, if the show's that bad, and you're still listening. So thanks for being a listener, and we'll try to uh, try to entertain you. Uh, somebody points out that Jay Hobson doesn't make as yeah. much as the Iowa strength and conditioning. That's, that's crazy. Um, Sports Talk Mississippi Twitter feed at Sports Talk M I S S. Let's circle back to basketball for a moment. We talked about the fact earlier today that both Mississippi State and Ole Miss lost. The metric that we're using this year to measure teams and how good they are is the net rankings. You know about that by now. I feel like from time to time it's good to point out what 
that means. Because you hear quadrant one, quadrant two, net this, RPI that, and you're like, okay, what what all what 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 does that really mean? Lynette ranking has a bunch of factors that go into coming up with the number that the computer spit out. Yes, it's wins and losses. Yes, it's where you win, where you win, and where you lose. Whether it's home neutral or on the road. Yes, it's the ranking of the team that you're playing. But offensive and defensive efficiency are part of that as well. Um, if you want me to explain offensive and defensive efficiency at a uh, a deeper level, I'm probably just going to defer to Brian Scott Rippy. You can explain offensive efficiency, right? I'll give it a stab. Do I have to do it right now? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> you, don't, you don't have to put up a facade. To... God. <laughs> just if you don't know, just tell us, you know. Um, b- basically, it's shooting percentages divided by number of possessions with factoring in uh, margin of victory. Uh, there, there are other components that go into it as well. The interesting thing about offensive efficiency with regard to the net formula is that the scoring margin is capped at 10. So you don't get any more credit for beating somebody by 30 right. than you do beating them by 10. Right. You remember that we had that incident uh, in the non-conference with Ben Hallen where he was yelling at his team up 9 to score again so they could get that 10-point margin of victory. And I they forgot did. about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, forget, I, think it was against, I forget who it was against. Maybe Walford? I don't remember. So as far as SEC teams go... All 14 are 120 or better. Tennessee at 4, Kentucky at 8, LSU at 12, Auburn at 25, and that's after their loss last night to South Carolina. Mississippi State is now at 30 after their loss last night to Kentucky. Ole Miss is at 32 after their loss last night to Alabama. Florida 36, Alabama 42. They're climbing. Missouri at 75, Arkansas 82, Vanderbilt 87. Arkansas and Vanderbilt are slipping South Carolina climbing big time. They jumped 12 spots to number 100 after their win last night. They will go on the road to face Oklahoma State. I don't know where Oklahoma State is. That's part of the SEC Big 12 challenge. Oklahoma State's like 8-10 and 10 going into a game tonight with um, with Oklahoma. So that's Bedlam. But the like, relative strength of the Big 12 is so good. They have like seven... They're Eight 72 players. They kicked three guys off the team a couple weeks ago. They are 72 in the net rankings. Okay. Right so that, behind Davidson. So that could be a good win for South Carolina, yeah. at least Bump as of right now, if they get that win on the road. Isn't every win sort of a good win for them because everybody's going to be ahead of them? Yeah. I mean, I mean, everybody in the SEC is. Yeah, you're going. I mean, and, and we're just saying, like, with Oklahoma State. So every every game you were asking earlier, you know, what do they have to do? Every game for them is an opportunity to climb in the rankings, at least for a few more weeks, until maybe they can get into the 80s or the 70s. So I'm doing the the South Carolina Oklahoma State game on Saturday uh, on ESPN U, I think it is. And I was working on some stuff for Oklahoma State earlier today. Normally, when I kind of build my spotter board or cheat sheet, whatever you want to call it, I've got like 15 slots on there. And usually I do 10 that are like in a bolder type, a little bit bigger so I can put more information, and then smaller font for some guys at the end of the bench. There are a total of nine names on Oklahoma State's chart that I've got. That's all they've got on their roster. Kicked three guys off, had open tryouts, walk-on tryouts last week, had 50 guys show up for it. And I think they picked six to be like on the practice squad. Tough times in Stillwater. Or come...
Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.